Sport has the power to change the world. Welcome to Telling Our Football Stories. My name is Boise Kumalo, and my guest today is Gadwin Agai, who is a co-founder of OPSM. In today's episode, Gadwin talks about his soccer career, becoming an agent, and starting on the Rise Foundation. Godwin, how you doing, my guy? I'm good, Boise. How you doing? I'm good, thanks, man. It's good to see you, brother. It's it, it's always good seeing you. <laughs> I know, I know. The last time when uh, when we see each other, I always think about the time when we were on the the pitch together at Lansing. What happened, man? When we were at Lansing? What do you mean? We had there was a 50-50 ball, and I and I bothered you. You don't remember that? Oh, that's the only thing you could remember. You don't remember how many how many times I not made you. You never not make me. You never not make me. You never not make me. <laughs> All right, I, I'll let you say whatever you want to say. But Eric knows the truth, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we should get Eric on here. Yeah, we should. We should. So, All right. Let, yeah, let, let's get it started, man. So, where are you from originally? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm originally from uh, Ghana. So my my parents were born and raised there, um, and you know that's you know that's where we come from. So we come from Ghana originally. Oh, okay, cool. What was it like growing up in in Ghana? Well, I, I was in Ghana for about you know few years. I never, I wasn't born there. I was born in uh, Montreal, but then uh, when we when I was in Ghana, the time when I, my parents moved back to Ghana, we were there. I don't know too. I don't remember too much because I was young. But then my parents, my dad actually moved to England first. Then my mom brought me to England with her as well. So you know, my dad was you know moved from Ghana, from Ghana to England, England to Canada. And so that's how, you know, I was able to come to Canada. First was through my dad. Yeah. Um, so it was a trans, it was a weird transition because, you know, I came to Canada born and then we had to come back to Ghana, then England, then back to Canada. So it was, it was one of those things that, you know, obviously, you know, everything has to be set right. Cause you had to have the right papers and all that kind of stuff. So, um, my time in Ghana, I didn't, I didn't, I was young, so I didn't know too much, but in England was very good. Um, they say like, basically London is basically just like Africa, you know what I mean? It's busy. Yeah. It's just like the way it is. So, you know, my time in England was very good, but then, you know, when I moved to Montreal, it was, it was also another good opportunity for me and just living in, in Montreal. Yeah. So I, I've never been to London, man. What is it like? I love London. London yeah. is, is, yeah, it's amazing, man. It's, it's a very cultural, very cultural area because, you know, you have East London, West London. So you have a lot of people from Ghana, Nigeria, Jamaica. But not only that, just the, the culture of football is, is huge. You have kids playing on the streets from like, you know, afternoon all the way to midnight. You know what I mean? So it was, that's one thing I liked about uh, London, England. Yeah. So when did you start playing soccer then? I started playing soccer at the age of four. So I was, I started playing soccer at the age of four. And the only reason why I played soccer was because of my dad. Um, he, when he was in England, he actually was uh, training with Aston Villa. So he brought that culture into, into the house. And my uncle, he also played soccer and he played for Ashanti Kotoko in Ghana. Right. Same with my dad. My dad played for Ashanti Kotoko. So um, being able to, you know, look up to these guys. That's the only reason why I started. It was at four, 
at the age of four because they put a ball on my feet and they're like, hey, you have to, you have to play. So yeah, that's cool. So your dad moved a lot around because of soccer or because of other things? Well, yeah, my dad moved a lot because obviously he wanted to, you know, have a better life for himself uh, and his family. So obviously when he moved to England was specifically for football and also to, you know, move his family, uh, myself and my mom to, to, to England. Um, but obviously, unfortunately, things happened where he couldn't stay into the country. Yeah. Uh, so they actually deported him back to Ghana. Um, so when he was on trial with uh, Aston Villa, you know, there's a, it's a, it was a crazy story. He told me that, you know, he was on trial with Aston Villa. He's going back, he's training back. And uh, officer just, hey, you know, just let me see your papers right back to, to Ghana. So he tried to come back again to England, again, got deported. And then so that's where, you know, the transition where he went from Ghana now all the way straight to England, I mean, to Canada. And then he brought my mom and myself with him as well. So that was that was a process there. Man, sounds like a lot of moving around, man, with your dad. And you yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was so the biggest. Yeah, my dad was uh, someone that always was always looking for to help his family and grow. Um, and uh, he, you know, he realized that this was a great opportunity for him to to establish himself and his family. Yeah. So for him to always move first and try to establish something was very difficult. But then, you know, he was able to provide that opportunity for my mom and myself uh, to do so. So when you were in Canada, did you play soccer in Canada? Because I know in Canada, they play a lot of hockey there, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When I, when I first played, uh, when I was in Montreal, I was playing soccer. But it, it was difficult because my first language was, uh, was tree. So that's the, the, you know, the language we speak in Ghana. And um, I couldn't communicate really well with uh, the kids or the, or, the, or the, you know, the coach telling what to do. So then what ended up happening was I started losing a little bit of my language, my native language tree, and I started learning more French. Okay. And so then it was hard for me to communicate with my parents when I, you know, when I was, you know, five, four or five years old. So um, it was when we moved to Ottawa is when I really started playing soccer, where I started understanding English a bit more and, and, and going from there. Did you ever try playing hockey? You know, we, hockey, you know, I, I used to be a really good uh, a street hockey player. Okay. But yeah, I used to play hockey because in uh, high school, all you do is like, you know, your phys ed teacher would say, you know, when the winter time happened, you'd be uh, going to class uh, and there's like a skating rink right beside the school. So we'd always go and during like maybe the, the 45 hour gap, you'd go play some hockey. Everybody played hockey. So you had to learn how to play hockey. So yeah, no, because I'm interested in uh in finding out about hockey because I don't see a lot of black players playing hockey. Man, the only thing black is the puck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there is a lot of, there is black players that play hockey. Um, you know, PK Subban, who used to play at Montreal, I think now he's at Nashville. Um, you had a couple other, you know, black players, but um, it was, I think it's predominantly, you know, a white, a white sport, but yeah. Right. Huh. Too cool to play hockey, man. man. It's too cool for black people to play hockey. <laughs> I would like to try one day, man. I think you'd be, I don't know, man. You don't, you, you have to be elegant. You know, you have to have good hands. I don't know if you, you have that to you, man. I know you have good feet, but hey, hands is different. 
Yeah, if you have good feet, you have good hands, man. That's what they told me. <laughs> Who told you that? My mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when you were in uh, Ottawa, did you play high school soccer like you said earlier? Yeah. Um, in Ottawa, so in Canada, it's different. You don't really play uh, high school ball. Um, it's more club soccer in, oh, okay. in, in Canada. So you focus more on club soccer. So I was playing club soccer here in Ottawa. Um, obviously, uh, it, you know, it, it costs money to play. So it was one of those things that, you know, um, I was just a, you know, good player, not to, not to sound crazy, but I was just a really good player. So I didn't really have to pay, uh, to play. Hold so. up, hold up, hold up. Who, first of all, who told you that you are a good player, man? You Listen, know, some people lied yeah. to you, brother. The, the coach, the coaches in Canada told me I was a good player, so I didn't have to pay. So, okay. you know, uh, it was one of those things, but even like getting to the practices, um, was difficult because my parents was always working, right. Coming from, from Ghana. So, um, I would always get rides from, from my teammates or, or I would take the bus, stuff like that. But it was always club soccer though. It was club soccer the way we would have to play. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So how did you end up at Spring Arbor University? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, so the year, so in, when I was 18, I got uh, a scholarship to go to uh, Tennessee, um, to play soccer there. So I went and played soccer in Tennessee for one year. And I was just like, you know what, forget it. I don't, I don't want to play university soccer. So um, at the age of 19, I decided to just go to Europe and, and, and push to play pro. So at the age of 18, 19, I left to London, England to live with my aunt because most of my family lives in England. Uh, I lived with my aunt, packed my bags. And then I just started, um, going on trials. I, I would literally like go to professional clubs and say, Hey, I'm supposed to be having a trial right now. And they'd be confused. They'd be like, like, what are, what are you talking about? You don't, who are you? You know what I mean? And yeah. I would jump fences. I would just do anything to try to get a trial. So what ended up happening was I got onto a Sunday league team and uh, I just started playing. And, you know, one thing left after another, um, you know, the team was able, another team called Island FC was able to scout me. And then from there, you move up to Saturday league. So I was able to play a little bit of Saturday league. And then what ended up happening was, um, I just, you know, I, I broke my foot while playing. Yeah. So when I broke my foot, you know, I was speaking to my mom and my mom was like, you know, why don't you go back to school, finish your degree and then go back and continue to play uh, uh, soccer. So I said, you know, that's a good idea. So at the time, one of my good friends, uh, Joel Mozambi, uh, was, you know, on trial with Spring Arbor. Uh, he was trying to figure out, you know, you know, like he was trying to get a scholarship. So he got a good scholarship. And then, so Joel was like, hey, listen, there's a school in Michigan that I think you'd like, you know, take a look. So I, you know, I went to Spring Arbor. Uh, the coach at the time was Chad Hammond. Mm. So Chad Hammond was a coach and uh, he recruited myself in Joel. And ever since, and then I went, we played indoor, Open, we did tryouts and then he gave me a scholarship right there and then and he was like hey we want you to be a part of uh of spring arbor university so that's how i got there yeah let's back up a little bit man so you went to england yeah and went on different teams because i know there's a lot of stories with a lot of players from africa who just go for example to europe without yeah. knowing anybody taking that risk yeah like yeah 
how did you get to these teams? You like, who are you? What do you want here? You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, the biggest thing for me was just I just did a lot of research. I would go to um, so my aunt. We lived in Hackney, so Hackney was a. I don't know if you if you know London Hackney, but yeah. it was a, it's like it's not a I wouldn't say a rough area, but it's, if you type in Hackney London, it's it's a beautiful area, but it's also a place that you know it's you know the poverty level is pretty low, right? So um, I went to I would always go downstairs, and there's like a computer spot, so you'd pay like a pound or two pounds to have an hour. Or so so every morning I'd go downstairs and just try to map you know, leagues that were like on Saturdays, or I try to map like, you know, the Isthmian League, fifth division conference, fourth division conference, just to just to see how far it was for me. Um, so I remember one time, uh, I Charlton Athletic was one place I wanted to go to. And for me to get all the way there, it took me four hours from London, I had to take the I had to take the bus, then I had to take the train. Then I just I just had to ask people because I took the wrong maybe I might take the wrong train going the opposite way to like Essex, yeah. so it was it was a learning experience because I was doing anything I can to to really uh, you know achieve the dream and I thought like you know that was my way you know to to get to the top was to to play football. So growing up, you always had dreams of becoming a professional player. Yeah, I always had dreams. That's the only thing on my mind was was to be a pro. Um, alongside my brother, who currently is, a, he's playing professional now, but uh, that was the only thing that, that was our dream. That was our dream. It's interesting that you brought up your brother. Between you and your brother, who's a better player? <laughs> he, he, hey, listen, if he, I'm the better player. I'll say I'm the better player. No, no, I'm just kidding. Jeff, Jeff is a very good player. Um, Jeff, the one thing I like about Jeff is his, his mindset. He, he's, he's his mindset's far from nothing. Like he he will keep training, he'll keep playing. He went through two ACL injuries, two hernia injuries, and he's still playing, right? So he, for him, his mindset to be a pro is, and that's why he's he's a current pro right now. So just 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 top guy. Nice. Now I know your dad was a pro player, or he went to England and tried his luck. And I'm assuming that he had connections. So when you went to England, why didn't you your, or your dad connect you with these teams that he played for? It, well, it doesn't, it's, it's not like, like now where you have, you know, you could just call somebody on WhatsApp or LinkedIn or, or you can message people or, you know, there was, the communication was, was very limited. Yeah. So the minute you leave, like you don't really, there's not really that much of a communication uh, with the player and you know my dad was in the same boat kind of where he only had not that many connections in England he just he just got lucky with the opportunity so for me it was more so you know try to make something out of myself uh the best way I can when I when I when I come to England so when you nervous when you went to England how did your parents take it you just leaving and going to England not knowing no. what you're gonna do man they're, they're supportive man my parents were supportive of the the whole the whole journey and that was the only that wasn't the only time we went to Europe too uh, my parents were supportive when Jeff and I decided to just go to Europe and uh, that 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 story itself is crazy the way me and Jeff just went to Europe as well so they're always supportive okay cool back to Spring Arbor uh, Eric Rodland was your coach what type yeah. of coach was he yeah, Eric it was it, it's it's interesting so Eric came, we needed a new coach. 
and uh you know because our record was two and 18 we were a two and 18 team wow and you told me you were a better player wow <laughs> wow we yeah man it was it was rough man and, and imagine you know my <laughs> mindset coming from england to come to the team and we're, we were man we were we were struggling we weren't bad you know we had some good players just just didn't it just didn't work out so we were a two and 18 team and you know I remember Eric coming in, um, just, you know, showing a little bit of what he can do. He got the job and then right away, you know, we were able to recruit some few players from Canada. Mm. And um, what I liked about Eric was, you know, there's, there's two, there's two seasons. The first season, he brought a culture uh, into the team and then he always got the best out of you as a player. Uh, he would always put you in uncomfortable positions as a player in order to help you grow. Um, and, and, and I learned a lot from him just understanding the game, the position that he wanted me to play. Uh, you know, I was playing a defensive midfielder for him and just simple things that he showed me and what had to develop my game was what helped me, you know, become a better player. Um, the second year, you know, understanding Eric was, was pretty cool because now you had a squad of players that can make the 11. So we had like a selective group of players, maybe six or seven that needed to be in the 11. And then the second year we had about 15 players that can make the 11. And so when I saw that the way he was dealing with a lot of the egos, the way he was dealing with a lot of the guys that, you know, he was able to make a whole squad fight for a position, but all collectively be together. So that was one thing that I, I, I know from Eric and I think he's a top coach and uh, yeah. Nice. Did you graduate from Spring Arbor? Yeah, I graduated from Spring Arbor in, yeah, uh, 2018, I believe. Or no, 2013. Jeez, I'm old. I'm old, you old? What? Are you serious? Oh, <laughs> what, what, what major did you graduate with? I was in uh, human anatomy, human anatomy and physiology. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. After Spring Arbor, where did you go? So after uh, Spring Arbor, that's when um, my brother and myself, actually, I went to Lansing United. That's where we played together, right? Yeah. At Lansing. Where I met you like five times. Come on, man. Like, stop. <laughs> stop with this. You never not make me. But I will say you were, it was, it was, it was good to, it was good to, that experience at Lansing United was really good because, you know, you had Jeremy Sampson that started a, a club from scratch. And then, you know, you had coach Eric, which was amazing, you know, running the, the pro environment. And then, you know, obviously meeting yourself and, you know, the staff, and, you know, you were a player coach learning a lot from you. And then you also had uh, Tyler Pasher that was on the team that's currently right now at Houston uh, Dynamo that's playing in the MLS. So it was, it was a good experience because, you know, you had Jamie Sampson, a, an owner or a manager that wanted to see a, you know, a, you know, wanted to see growth in football. And then obviously, you know, playing alongside you and learning from you was very, was amazing. Um, then after Lance United, that's where my brother and I, we backpacked to, to, back to Europe. Um, my brother was uh, finishing University of South Carolina and we decided to just, just, just fly into Europe. So we had a trial opportunity in uh, Spain called the Agostera. So we flew, we just went to Spain. Uh, we didn't know, you know, we don't speak Spanish or anything like that. We went, we went on trial and uh, our first professional match that we signed in, we signed in together at the same time. So 
I played as a defensive mid. He played as an attacking mid, and we both signed in together. Yeah. When we signed in, the club brought us back. They want us to play again for their club. So we came back, we played again with their club, and then they told us, hey, listen, this is how much we can provide for you, but we can't give housing, et cetera. So my brother and I were like, you know what? We can't live off of this. So we had to you know, kindly decline. So we didn't know what to do when we were in Spain. And we only had about maybe a certain amount of euros. So we're like, you know what? Let's just, uh, let's just, let's just fly to uh, France. So we fly to France and we meet with one of our buddies there. And uh, we just started mapping out, you know, clubs that we can go to. So we started just going to clubs saying, hey, we're supposed to be on trial. You know, that whole scene. Uh, we would bring our backpack. Sometimes I would act like an agent at the time, saying these are my players. And uh, we would literally just taste the dream. And then so we went to France and we were training with the you know, fifth division team. We killed them. And they were like, hey, we want you to, to, to play with us. But again, they couldn't provide housing. They couldn't provide any sort of type of funds. So we're like, how can we live here? So then my brother and I were like, you know what? We're just going to take a bus to Belgium. So we take a bus to Belgium. But before we go to Belgium, it was like maybe at like 2 a.m. 2 we take a bus to Belgium. And what ended up happening was we, we landed in Brussels. And as soon as we landed in Brussels, it was pouring rain. And right across the street where, the, where we were going to stay, the, brothel, or the, the hostel um, was a murder case. So my brother and I are like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? So we're like, you know, forget it. We go into the, the, the hostel. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just madness in there, man. Like all types of nonsense in there happening. And so we're like, you know what, forget it. We're just going to stay up. Uh, we drank a couple of tea and then we just stayed up and we just mapped out a bunch of places that we we're going to go. We ended up going to Andalic. We had a random guy just take us to Andalic and we walked 40 kilometers to, to, to get denied on a trial. So we get denied on a trial. Uh, they said, no, come back, talk to the lead scout. Then we jumped over, we were able to sneak into um, uh, a second division club in Belgium. And we were able to sneak into the, the technical director's office and we told him, hey, listen, we came from all the way from Canada, uh, we need to have a trial. So the guy's like, hey, listen, I didn't know your agent didn't schedule anything, I can't do anything. So we got denied there. So we get denied, we go to a, a coffee shop and my dad, my brother's like, oh, mad, he's, he's pissed off. And then uh a guy tried to steal his wallet so a guy tries to steal his wallet and my brother goes what are you doing so you know and the, the coffee shop that we we're in it's it, you know it's pretty like it was pretty intense like you had some like real gangsters in there and stuff <laughs> so my brother goes what the hell are you doing don't touch my stuff or i'll kill you i'm like oh my god jeff so i'm looking around and i and this this guy's like i'm coming back i'm coming back so me and my brother, we, we, we get the heck out of the coffee shop. We run straight to the to our, our place. So we booked a last minute flight to England because it was very cheap. So we overslept. We overslept and our flight was leaving within an hour and a half. So we ran, we took the cab, we did everything on little money to catch the flight to, to England. We caught the flight to England. The first place that we went to is we heard that potentially opportunities in Fulham. So we go to Fulham, right? We start walking in Fulham and our heads are down, it's raining. We're like, man, we're gonna, we're just gonna quit and give up. And so we're walking 
And guess who walked right by us? Like literally on the same path as us. Ooh. Jose Mourinho. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jose Mourinho. So we're walking. He passed by Jeff and he looks at me and he winks. And I'm like, I froze. I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. So right there and then I'm like, man, like what's the chances of us seeing Jose Mourinho? And it kind of lifted up our spirits to like, you know, keep going, keep going. Yeah. So that same day, we go back home, we go back to my aunt's house, we're lying down and we're just like, what are we going to do? Jeff gets a call from the Fury asking him to come back, uh, asking him to play professional for the Fury. Mm. And then I get a message and a call from Hawks Bay United in New Zealand saying, hey, we want you to come and play pro for our, for our club. So at the same day, you know, Jeff and I had uh, opportunities to, to play in uh, different areas. It sounds like you like taking risks, man, you and your brother. That's all we do, man. With my brother and I, collectively, that's the biggest thing for us is we just take risks, man. We, we put ourselves in uncomfortable positions in order to grow uh, and to, to get to where we need to. Dude, I like that. I like that. Uh, you are currently a co-founder of OPSM. How you said does it that right. come about? <laughs> you said it right, man. I thought you were going to say something, some different name. Dude, I, I took my notes. I've been reading it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, I am a co-founder alongside my brother of uh, OPSM, Sports Management, uh, Management and Agency. And uh, we started in uh, 2017. We started in 2017. What does OPSM stand for? So OPSM stands for uh, Ottawa Pro Sports Management. Um because obviously we, we, we grew up in Ottawa and, you know, we figured, you know, having Ottawa pro sports management as, as an agency, but right now we're thinking about changing the, the Ottawa to maybe something else. So we'll see. Hmm. What's your role there? My role, um, my, my role is to, at the moment right now, my role, when we were growing the company was, I was doing basically, I was being innovative and trying to do everything at the time. So basically I was, I, we started as a training company. Mm. So as we started as a training company, I was training kids. And then as we grew, uh, we got into management. So as we were doing management, myself and my brother were managing uh, players to get into university. So we would help them, we'd show them direction and everything that OPSM is, is derived from myself and my brother's experience. Uh, as we had as players. So from understanding, from training to, to um, going to university and then going pro. So um, we were able to help players get into university. And then as we kept growing the services and, and our program, that's when we started helping players that need a next step to pro, helping them there. And then obviously we built into agency. So now my role specifically is, a, is an agent and then also uh, managing you know, the company as well alongside my brother. As an agent, do you need qualifications? Yeah, well, in Canada, right? You, you, you. Before you needed to be a FIFA intermediary, right? So you needed to have your FIFA license. Um, then you know, I think after 2018, you know, you can just be an intermediary. But you know, I went and got um, a license with Canada Soccer, so I made sure you know when I'm when I'm when I'm an agent, I'm with Canada Soccer, and so I'm licensed there. I know you just said you help uh, players. Most of the players that you help are, are players from Canada only or is players from all over the world? 
No, it's, it's, it's players from all over the world. So we have players from, you know, Finland that are working with us. We have players from America. Uh, we have players that, you know, that are from Sweden. So we have players from Czech. We have players from everywhere. So who are some of the people you looked up to to become an agent? Um, I, I would say, obviously, I don't... For the agent world, I didn't really look up to anybody. It, it's one of those positions that it just came upon. Uh, it came upon us, you know, as we were growing as a management. But there's there's definitely people like Jorge Mendez that I look like I look at and understand. You know, he has a documentary. You know how he started and where he is now. So understanding and taking some of his methodologies and trying to add it to to our game as well. Yeah. How many players does your organization represent? We have 20, we have 32 players signed to our agency now, 32 players. Oh, wow. That's a lot, man. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, we were, you know, it's, we thank God that we have the opportunity to grow and we have, you know, good players uh, in, in that environment. So we're happy about that. Mm. Yeah, I know uh, OP, OPSM, uh, you guys host co uh, Combines. And somebody might look at it like, why are these guys hosting combines? They're just doing this just to make money. What would yeah. you say to those guys? Well, you know, obviously with our combines, there's there's few things that we provide. Um, a lot of the players, you know, we provide, we don't just go and do a combine and, and that's it. We, we have the four pillars called technical, tactical, physical, mental. And so before, you know, the combines, we always try to set up a seminar to get them to understand these are the, these are the four things in order to help you grow as a professional player in order to succeed. Um, the second thing is, you know, we always try our best to make sure that the players are exposed to, 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 to coaches. You know, we, we want to be able to expose as many players and use our resources um, and, and connect them with coaches. All the combines that we had, we had either uh, players signed from our combine. So we just had Austin Warmo from FC Tulsa. He was at our combine sign. We had Gustavo Vargas, you know, who went to our combine that's currently at OKC Energy. So we always had players uh, getting picked up or, or signed, so. Nice. Do you have female players for OPSM? Yeah, we have uh, Olivia Chu and uh, Jamie Watson that, that work currently, or Jamie Erickson that currently work with OPSM. And we had Kat DeLev that was also in, uh, in Italy. And you also host combines for, for the ladies, right? So yeah, we host uh, combines. We host the college combines for ladies, and uh, we just had one in Ottawa um, two two and a half weeks ago, and it went really well. It went really well. A lot of girls got picked up. Now the the the, the ladies you just mentioned, do they play professional soccer or these are college players? No, they play professional soccer. So Olivia Chu was playing in Sweden, um, and then uh, Kat Delev was playing in uh, Italy for uh, yeah for a club Lice in Italy. Let me ask you this one, since you are an agent, what's your take on uh, female players saying that they should be paid the same amount of money as the men? Yeah, I think, I think that's, a, that's a good question. For me, I think um, the biggest thing is, I, I do believe that females should be on a, you know, a higher salary because you know, they are professional players. It is their full-time job um, and that's, you know, that's something that, you know, you can see that the, the U.S. national team, they were able to bring and attract a lot of uh, people to the, to the program, uh, to the soccer world. 
Um, obviously, their their leagues are developing. I think it's I think it takes step by step. I don't think you can just get paid um, like as like the guys right away. I think it's it's a progression. Um, you know, building infrastructure of the leagues. You know, building more uh, spontaneous, more top players. Because you know, when you go to the the men's side, you know, people want to watch Messi. They want to watch Cristiano Ronaldo. They want to watch you know, Neymar, they want to watch all these types of players. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, with the women's soccer, you're getting there where, you know, people are attracted to, you know, some of the female women that they want to watch. So I think with time, hopefully, you know, it's, that should, that's what it should be. But I think that will take time and steps. Is there a professional uh, league for women in uh, Canada? Um, we have, we, in, there isn't really a professional league. We, they're part of the um, NWSL where you have like teams like Edmonton that's in it. Um, you have um, you have other Canadian teams, but there's League One. So League One is the closest thing to professional soccer. It's like a semi-professional league where in the summer all the girls play. Yeah. So yeah. How did you build your network as an agent? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, simple things like just my me playing it all over the world. Um, for instance, look how I met you. You know, at Lansing. That's just one connection there. And then, you know, from you, you connected me with other people. Um, also, the biggest thing is putting yourself in environments um, that you can be successful and conducive to your, to your career, right? So you always have to be moving around, um, moving different locations and building connections that way. But mainly it was through, through friends that I played with and coaches. Yeah. So now does most of our players in Canada want to play outside of the country or they want to stay local because I know there's a Canadian league, right? Yes. So now with the new CPL, you have a lot of kids that want to play in Canada, obviously. Um, now kids, instead of, you know, university kids wanting to go to America, they want to play in Canada uh, because, you know, there's the youth sports draft that they can do uh, to, to get players signed and stuff like that. How, how do you balance the two players you have one player who wants to go pro and you think he's not good enough he should be a college player and then you have a player who can who can just go straight to pro what do you say to those players like what what kind of information do you give them yeah so obviously for players that want to the players that we believe that are professional environments we do our best to show them the, the pathways right even players that are that we believe that they need a new development or another development in order to get pro. We show them pathways in order to show, show them how to get to become a pro. You know, we, we, we're very, you know, we have a good team, myself, Jeff, Mackenzie, we build pathways and we give them goals that they have to achieve, right? And so the biggest thing is if I have a player that's not quite a pro yet, I show him, you know, these are the things that you need to do and these are the steps you need to do in order to become a pro. Right. But the biggest thing that I, I tell a lot of the players is, you know, what does it mean to be a pro? Right. A lot of kids just say, hey, I, I just want to be a pro. But that word is used too lightly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing is like, first and foremost, the first thing I says, in order to be a pro, what are you doing outside of soccer or outside of, of training practice to get better? What's your nutrition like? Well, how are you training? What's your physical mindset like? What's your mindset? What, what's your tactical awareness? All these things, if you're working on these things on a consistent basis and you have a clear vision and goal, right? Then you have an opportunity to make it to the next level. But people forget there's a career before becoming a pro. As soon as you think pro, 
you're thinking Real Madrid, you're thinking Barcelona, you're thinking all these types of areas, right? But yeah. people are forgetting that there's a career that you don't just jump towards. So that's the biggest thing is, you know, our players willing to play third division Finland, our players willing to play fourth division Norway, you know what I mean? In order to build their career. How does your brother handle uh, working for OPSM and playing professional soccer at the same time? Uh, he, he's, 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 he's abnormal. The, the, the guy, the guy's abnormal. He, he, he's very disciplined in what he does, okay. you know, regardless of him being six, seven hours uh, ahead, he wakes up at a certain time, you know, he does his training and then, you know, he works and he manages the company. Um, he's been doing it for three to four years now. Uh, and that's the reason why the company is growing the way it is. So for him, it's just, for him, it's just, like I said, I always go back to his mindset. He's probably one of the hardest working person and most driven person I've ever met. And that's, that's the reason why I'm, I'm driven as well. Cool. As an Asian of a uh, color, black guy like you, are you ever intimidated by big time coach uh, agents? Never, never. I'm never intimidated by anybody. Uh, because I know who I am as a person and I know what I can do. Um, and being black for me, I think it's even, I think it's, you know, obviously the world that we live in today, obviously there's advantages and disadvantages of, of, you know, being black. But at the end of the day, I know what I can provide. I know, you know, the relationships I can build with certain people. And I think that, um, you know, that's, that's the way I, I present myself. It's just the way you present yourself to people and how you go about things. Hmm. Interesting. Now, with the Black Lives Matter, a lot of people in the past couple of months took a knee. And then I was watching a couple of, I think it's last week, Zaha, he did not take a knee. Yeah, he didn't take a knee. What's your take on that? I think the biggest thing for me is taking a knee, not taking a knee. The biggest thing is change. You know what I mean? If you're taking a knee, you're taking a knee and, and, and nothing is changing. Like, I understand where he's coming from. For me, I think that you can only do, there's, it's, it's, there's movements, right? And I think the biggest thing for us is you have to be able to empower and build communities and get people to educate them to understand how we can make a change. A lot of people are using social media saying, hey, listen, they put up a post and they think they feel good about themselves because they think that they made a change, but there's nothing changing, right? So what we have to do is we have to, you know, collectively come together, empower people and build these communities in order to make these change. Have you ever thought about going back to Africa and represent some of the African players from Ghana? 100%, not just from Ghana. You have players from, you know, Cameroon, you have players from Egypt, you have players from Algeria, you have players from all over, um africa that are 10 times 10 times better than players you know that are currently playing in, in, in north america and you know that's the reason why you know the reason why we started opsm was because we want to become a servants to other people um obviously we love the game of football but we want to use our our, our we want to use our skills our tools in order to help uh, you know players not just only from Africa, but also from, you know, Jamaica, Trinidad, areas that these kids need an opportunity. And so we started, a, 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 you know, an organization called, you know, On The Rise. 
um, on the Rouse Foundation where we, we want to be able to help as many uh, kids that need these opportunity through education. Uh, we will also want to, you know, empower kids and build communities around the world. And that's the, that's the biggest reason why I'm in the, in the sports game today. Yeah. On the, on the rise, is it located in Canada or something that's in Africa? On the rise is, so it's a nonprofit that's, that's built here in Canada, but it's going to, it's a global uh, foundation where we want to start in Africa, uh, specifically in West Africa and grow uh, globally around the world. And this is just soccer for soccer players? Yeah. So this is obviously for just soccer players. Um, we we want to be able to run combines the same way we ran combines in, in, in North America. We want to be able to run combines and events uh, uh, in Africa and then also build workshops uh, in, in the communities um, in Africa as well, specifically West Africa. Yeah, and I'm listening you talk about the combines. Yes, in the U.S., I think it's kind of easy for the players. They can kind of afford to, to pay for the combine. Now, what happened when you go to Africa, how are you going to run a combine with people who cannot pay? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So, you know, the way we built, um, the way we wanted to build our infrastructures, we, we actually have a good team around us. We have people that believe in this opportunity. And so, you know, we have, you know, good global sponsorships, local sponsorships. We have people that uh, want to be involved in this opportunity. So what we're going to do is obviously we're going to have a staff and a group that we're going to, we're going to bring, we're going to bring the film camera. Uh, we're going to be connecting and partnering with clubs in Africa, you know, telling us, hey, bring us your top players um, that you believe that, you know, want education, that want to go further. And, um, you know, we're just going to, you know, rent the fields. Everything's going to be an expense to, to the foundation in order to help these kids. Yeah, let me ask you this, because you just said education too. What happens if a player is good enough to come to college? Are you guys going to provide everything for that player to come to college or what? Yeah, so what, what we'll do is, you know, we know a lot of colleges. So the first thing first is we, we you know, we speak with the colleges and we understand what their needs are. And, uh, you know, some colleges tell us, hey, we need a, a right back or a striker and we can provide this amount of money and this amount of scholarship. So when, when we talk to these kids, we kind of get a better understanding of their background and we try to match them with the proper school. So if you have a kid, you know, some of the, you know, the biggest thing that I realize is, you know, obviously, as you know this too, in Africa, you know, we have the conception of, you know, it's poor, right? But there is a lot of people that do have money in Africa, right? So what we want to do is, you know, these kids, there is some of these kids that do have money to come overseas, but they just don't have the opportunity or they don't have the pathway. We also want to help that type of demographic of kids as well in Africa as well. Obviously, you want to help the kids that, you know, don't have the money at all. And so we would match those schools that could give full scholarships to those kids that don't have anything. But then you have those kids in Africa that, you know, that have, you know, they pay for academies to go play in, 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 in Africa, right? So you help those kids that can maybe pay 30% of their scholarship or 20% of their scholarship. But we want to just be able to build the floodgates of, of players from Africa coming into North America. As an agent, when a player gets signed, how much fee do you get? Everything is negotiable. Right. There's, you know, it, it just depends on how you, you set up the, the contract agreement. It could be anywhere from, you know, 5% to 10%. Um, you know, I was reading something like Mina Rayola was able to get, 
you know, 20% on a selling on fee and, and, you know, 10% of this contract, right? So it's just how you negotiate the agreements, but usually anywhere from five to 10% as an agent is what you would negotiate. Yeah. I know a lot of players in the USL don't make a lot of money. No. As an agent, you got a player who just got signed. He's not going to make more than 2000 bucks. <laughs> take a fee from that guy? No, we never take from the player. That's one thing that we don't do is we never take from the player. We usually take from the club. Um, so, you know, we let, we notify the club and we say, listen, this is how much we want to have for the player. And uh, we go from there. Obviously, if he signs his first contract and the club says, hey, we don't want to pay you any money. We never, the first year we won't take anything from the player, but then the second year we'll talk to the player and be like, listen, maybe we take 2% or 3% from, from your agreement. But usually we try to refrain from taking from players. How hard is it to deal with uh, USL coaches, MLS coaches, professional coaches? Um, if, if you have the right player, it's easy, right? Yeah. If, you have the, if you have the gold in your hand, every coach, it's, it, it's, it's, you, it's pick and choose. But then obviously when you, when you as, as a young agent coming up, um, the biggest thing is to, um, it's, like, it's the collective group. You know, that's how you're going to be able to be successful in, in working with 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 um, with clubs. So you don't just go off and try to connect with everybody. You you know, you, you have strategies on, you know, who to connect with, why to connect with them and, and, you know, figure out a way how you can you can go that direction. Obviously, you have those coaches that, you know, you're not going to have the biggest thing I could tell people is as an agent, you're not going to have relationships with everybody. You know, you know, get that mindset out of your head is, you know, have strategic people that you want to work with and really try to grow those relationships. But the biggest thing as an agent is having relationships um, and growing in that game. As an agent, who is the best player that you ever got signed? The best player that we ever got signed? That's a good question. Um, I would have to say... We have a young boy. We have few. We have a few young boys. Um, we have we have Ryan Lindsay. That's um, that's a really top player. He's currently at York Nine. He uh, he traveled to um, he traveled to uh, Dinamo Zagreb. He played there uh, with their academy, and he has a lot of young potential uh, coming up. We have Elijah Ba, who's currently at the the Whitecaps, who's a very young you know top potential. Um, we have um, Antonio Carlini and Themi, who are you know two kids from TFC that also have potential. So we we haven't we our agency hasn't signed that that wonder star, but we have a lot of young players that have potential to become uh, something great. So that's the direction. When the players are going on trials or players get an opportunity to go train with the team, do you guys pay for that or the player pays for himself? Uh, we, we usually pay for it. We usually pay like it, depending on, on the trial. Um, but we usually as an agency, if they're signed to us, we would pay for, we would pay for their trial opportunities. So we'd pay for their flight ticket and their housing as well. Last question for you. What do you see yeah. OPSM in five years? Yeah. Um, in five years where I see OPSM is the leading agency in North America, the benchmark agency, um, we are going to be the best agency in North America. And so hopefully, you know, at that time in five years, we have, 
you know, the best MLS players. We have the best USL championship players. We have the best CPO players. And then, you know, we're known for being able to transition players into Europe. So that's where we see us in five years. Yeah. I know I just said last question, but something just popped in my head. It always happens. I don't know why. No problem. I know when I look into the USL, there's only a few black coaches. And I don't know about the agent world. Is there a lot of age, black agents? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of black agents. Um, if you're talking about specifically in, in North America, uh, yeah, there's black agents. Coaches, obviously, that's something that we want to be able to develop is bring more black coaches into the USL Championship, but not only USL Championship, in the game of football alone, right? We want to be able to have more black coaches into uh, these environments. And obviously, OPSM wants to be one of those catalysts in order to provide opportunities for more black coaches, for more um, uh, to, to be in these environments. So, yeah. Godwin. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. I learned a lot from you and your stories about going to England, staying all over the place, man. I appreciate you, boys, man. Thank you for taking the, the time for letting me be on your podcast. I really enjoyed it. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Thank you, my guy. All right, boss. Thank you. Take care. for listening to telling our football stories and thanks to Godwin for sharing his story with us have a great day